That's okay. That's good, right? Made it back for round two. Um, it's funny, I was joking uh, with Brother John Roberts. You know how I said I was like, I'll move around a little bit and I'll drop some y'alls. Uh, he was, I was putting him to work on that camera back there. <laughs> so I was like, over here. <laughs> and then over there. And I told him, I, I said, I promise this time I won't go, I won't drift as far. I'll just maybe like two paces over here, right? But it's good. Um, gotta get, you got to look at people in the eyeballs, you know, make sure that they're paying attention. But it is, uh, it's good to be back up here. It's a blessing uh, and it's good to see all of you. And I hope that you all are having a great weekend um, and just really happy, really glad that you're here today. Um, and so with that, I want to I wanna remind us a little bit of what we talked about last Sunday. We're going through just a little mini-series on what it means to love your church, um, the local church, right? The, the, the bridegroom to Jesus Christ, our Savior. What it means to truly love and serve in your local church. And last week we talked about two of the first great responsibilities that that comes with. Um, you know, if I was teaching at work, I would ask you what they are. I won't do that to you. I won't do that to you. But if you remember last week, we talked about welcoming. And what else? What else did we talk about? Welcoming. So bringing people in. We also talked about belonging. Because people long to be a part of a community. Right? And we create that in the local church. This belonging atmosphere. And then we welcome people in with open doors. Right? And we, and we bring them in. And, and we make people feel comfortable. We make people feel that they are uh, in the right place, right? Similar to how you felt when you first asked Christ to come in your heart. There was this welcoming, this feeling that you, you felt no matter who you are, no matter what you look like, no matter what you sound like, no matter what you're dressed like, that Jesus Christ accepted you. We're trying to give that same exact character trait to the people when they walk in these doors, that you're just so happy that they're here, so glad that they're here and that you love them dearly. And so we talked about that last week, uh, and so this week we're going to shift to the next two responsibilities, um, which are going to be much more of a, like, it's time to roll up the sleeves and get to work, all right? It's good to want to gather. It's good to be welcoming, right? But just like at a family function or a uh, holiday, you can be very welcoming and be like, hey, so glad you're here, and then never talk to that person the rest of the night. <laughs> that, is, that, is, um, that can happen. Hopefully you're not doing that, but that can happen, all right? And we similar, similarly can do a, a, a thing like that at church where, which, ah, brother, sister, it's so good to see you. Come on in here. And then not talk to him again the rest of the day. Not talk to him again for the next six days, Right? And that, and, and that only provides a surface-level relationship, right? And so this, this Sunday, what we're going to do is we're going to move a little bit more into um, the, the depth of that relationship, which is going to be how we care for each other, how we care deeply for each other, and then how we serve each other and how we serve our local church. So in order to do that, right, I'm saying, like, let's elbow grease it up. We're going to need the Lord's help on this one. So let's, let's pray before we get into today's message. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. This church loves you. We long deeply to serve you. We care about you. We care about your word. And in order to say that, Lord, it means we care deeply about each other. You created all of us in here. 
And we pray, Lord, that we don't let distractions get in our way. We pray deeply that you would put the desire in our heart to connect more than just a surface level, surface level hello, but a deeper connection with each other. We pray that your scripture today would open up our eyes and that would call us to action, that you would give us the strength, and Lord, in this season, that you would give us the energy. Sometimes it feels like our, ener our energy can be depleted, but you are a tank that overflows. We pray that you would pour that energy into our spirits, into our lives, and that we would use that energy on each other, not for wasteless gains, but that you would let us pour that energy into each other to care and long for deep relationships together. We pray and ask all this in your name. Amen. So some of you might have this, some of you might have this in your house. Some of you might be grandma's house. For me, it's grandma. And she's got this room in the house um, it's very weird. It's very odd, okay? I'm going to try to paint the picture for you so you're with me on this. There's like couches and chairs, and they all like face each other. It's a really, it's a weird thing. They like, literally, there's like the furniture faces each other. There's tables that like you could put a hot drink on, and it literally is this room that's designed for multiple people to sit down and, and face each other and actually have a human conversation. It's, it's wild, right? Crazy to think that. Uh, because now, if I was to ask you, right? Living room, family room, kitchen, every single bedroom, what does all the furniture face? Faces the television. Faces the TV. You see, there was a time where there was no TV in every room. The purpose of that room was to have friends and family over. You would sit down together. You would break some bread. You would have some coffee. You would have some tea. And all the furniture would be facing each other. And you'd be looking at each other eye to eye. And you would be asking each other how things are going. And you'd be asking each other, hey, what's going on in your life? Talk to me about the pains. Talk to me about the struggles. Talk to me about work. Talk to me about your children. Talk to me about your grandchildren. Talk to me about your cousin. Talk to me about your parents. And there would be no distractions, right? And, and it would actually be a beautiful thing, and people would care deeply for each other. They would provide advice. They would shoulder each other's burdens together. People would walk through life together. You see, now I fear a lot of times the burden, the shouldering of burdens, the wisdom is coming from the TV shows that we watch. Because that, that's what all, all of these rooms are facing. And we've got to be very, very careful of that because it has made us a very distracted society. Very distracted. And we've got to be very careful of that because I don't think that the, the concern or the enemy is more worried about us coming to church on Sunday because that's just one day we come, we sit, we get a message I think he's more worried about the relationships that you have with other people and showing love with them over those next six days. What does that look like? Are you showing true love and tenderness towards each other, right? And that's, that's what we gotta be careful of because marriages are watching TV, children's are watching iPads, and the number one place that these distractions come into place is our relationships with each other. 
And we've got to be careful of that. And we've got to watch that and guard our hearts to that because if we aren't practicing what it looks like every day to have relationships and to ask questions and to be curious and to provide biblical wisdom to each other, if we're not doing that and we're not repetitively doing that every day, guess what happens when you don't do something very often? You're not very good at it. If you don't practice what you preach, you're not going to be very good at it, right? If you play hockey, you practice almost every day to get better at it, okay? If you don't practice things, you're not going to be very good at it. And so what can happen is we come to church, see somebody hurting. It may be easier to avoid that conversation than to step in to that conversation. I'm not saying you need to have all of the right words to say, but that brother or sister needs somebody to talk to. They don't need somebody to avoid that conversation out of the awkwardness or out of the fear that you don't know what to say. It's not okay to see somebody who's hurting, somebody who's crying. You ever see somebody that's so moved by the message or so moved by worship that they're in tears? Do you not think that there's something that's going on in that brother or sister's heart, that it's moving in them and it's speaking to them? And do you think that the goal is just that they would keep it in their own heart that whole day? That's not the point. The point is that we would see that as a family and we would approach that person and, and just let them know, I love you, like talk to me. How's everything going? It's a very important thing that we must do as a church if we really truly love our church because it's one thing to handshake or hug. It's another thing to go deeper, roll up the sleeves and really serve each other and serve this church well. Uh, and it's a little thing I would like to call active listening. Actively listening. You ever been in a conversation, but your mind is completely thinking about something else? You're not really doing that person much service then because you're not actually listening. And if you think, if you, if you truly think there aren't people in this church right here, right now, that are in one of the hardest seasons that they've ever been, you are being completely naive. There are people in this church right here, sitting right here, right now, and you may have no clue but they are going through the hardest time of their life. And they might be putting on a facade. Maybe it's easier for them to just get dressed, come to church, put on a face, and walk out. They think that that's easier, but it's doing nobody a service. Okay? We gotta, we gotta get deep in our relationships with each other to really know what's going on because there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of pain. And a lot of times this world is not easy but this is what God designed us for as in relationships with each other. This is the time for the local church, the body of Christ, to step up and be there for each other, to care for each other, to build friendships, relationships, to, to have people impart wisdom, to have people teach each other about what the Bible says about these situations and these concerns. Right? This is the time for us to come together, not the time for us to be like, mm, it looks like there's a lot going on there. I'm going to kind of just go this way. That's not, that's not what the local church is about. And so as we dive in today, let's go on with hearts that are caring and longing for each other in the relationships with each other because we love and we care for each other. So our introduction um, for going into responsibilities three and four, and if you don't have a handout, we can get you one. Um, but everybody should have one at this point. Moving from responsibilities one and two, and this is on, should be on page one of your handout, to three and four is going to bring a more zoomed in focus on the depth 
of our relationships, the depth of our relationships to each other and the depths of our relationship to the church. In essence, and I would just encourage you to circle this or underline this, in essence, how do we serve both each other and our local church? And as always, the best way to do that is to look into our holy, holy sacred scriptures. So I'm going to open up, feel free to do so, if not, that's okay, to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, I'm going to be in verse 7. Just in reading this this week, it, it just it gave me so much power, and I hope it does the same to you. 1 Peter, 4, uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I mean, that's a word right there for somebody, just to hear that verse about how important it is. And so we're going to dive right into this very first one, responsibility number three, for being a church member is caring, caring for one another. Our enemy is not our brother or our sister. We are to pull for one another, support and care for one another as a family. If sports can bring people together, how much more should the gospel? And this gospel unity is expressed not only in words, but through underlined concrete actions of love. Concrete actions of love. It's not enough, friends, to just tell somebody, you're here, for, I'm here for you. Hey, I'm gonna pray for you. Love you. Let me know if there's, a, this is why I love this one. Let me know if there's anything I can do to help. It's usually people don't respond and be like, oh, here's like five things you could actually do to help me out. It's just not usually what people do. And, you know, maybe it's this humble thing, it's a modest thing, I don't know. But what I love about this, caring is not words. It's good to have some good words, and we should say some nice, kind things to each other. But it's more about the concrete actions that we are doing for one another. The concrete actions, the thoughtfulness. This takes some thoughtfulness. You've got to think about what are some of these actions that I'm going to do to show that I truly care about this person. Right? Because if you tell somebody, I love you, 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 but you aren't willing to sacrifice and do things for them, is that not the definition of love? To sacrifice your own wants and desires for somebody else's betterness. That is what love is. And so it takes concrete actions and think about those things, right? Part B here. The one another is the phrase that I really want us to take away today and I think God was really placing on my heart and on the church's heart is the one another passages in the New Testament demonstrate the importance of care for our brothers and sisters in our Christian community. That there are so many of these passages that illustrate that this is a non-negotiable for brothers and sisters. That's why I love why First Peter put that. The end is near. 
This isn't one of those messages that's going to like try to provoke you to take action out of fear. This is first Peter. This is Peter saying the end is near. And so if God was to come, if Jesus was to come, are you treating and loving people the way that you would want to right now? It should be used as a motivation. It should, it should be used to inspire you. Not out of fear, but because this is what God told us to do. And so let's remind ourselves to do that. I added all of these on there, all of these, these passages. I'm going to read them because I think it's that important. You don't need to, to write anything here. I just think that you need to hear how many times that it was orchestrated that we would talk about our care and our love for each other in the New Testament. So I'm, I'm in column C. Consider the following, quote, non-exhaustive list. It could have gone more, for more pages. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. John 13. We, though many are individually members one of another, Romans. Love one another with brotherly affection, Romans. Outdo one another in showing honor, Romans. Instruct one another. Have the same care for one another, Corinthians. Through love, serve one another, Galatians. Bear one another's burdens, Galatians. Bearing with one another in love, Ephesians. Be kind to one another, Ephesians. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, Ephesians. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves, Philippians. Do not lie to one another, Colossians. Encourage one another, 1 Thessalonians. Always seek to do good to one another, Thessalonians. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, Hebrews. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers, James. Do not grumble against one another. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, First Peter. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, First Peter. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God, First John. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. First John 4, verse 12. Non-exhaustive list. Could have gone on for more. I don't have that much time. And I kept you over last weekend, so I won't do that this weekend. Non-exhaustive list about how important our relationship is to one another. How we care for each other. How we pray for each other. How we love each other. How we do actions for each other. How we are humble towards each other. How we don't lie towards one another. Right? So good that the ways that we care for one another are very very important, and there are a couple here that would love for us to take away on how, how we can do this. It's not always easy. It does, believe it or not, for some of us, it's not second nature on what this exactly looks like. Some of us grew up in households that we didn't see a lot of this, and so let's talk about what some of these ways are that we can care for one another. Number one, gentle restoration. Gentle we heard Pastor Ken talk about this in the first hour. Gentle correction. Gentle restoration. We must always remember the goal of ministering to someone who has wandered off into deep sin is restoration. Sometimes it's easy to be mad at somebody who's wandering. Sometimes it's easy to think that they are being silly or that they're being stupid or naive or like why wouldn't they follow the scripture and we can be sharp in our rebuke can we not 
Can we not judge those brothers and sisters very harshly to the point where one would ask, are you actually doing more damage to their walk with Christ than good? Because you are being so hard and so rude and so sharp with them. We have to remember the goal for a brother or sister who's wandering off is to restore them. And that comes with gentleness. A fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. If you show that gentle love and kindness, you'd be surprised that sometimes you'll get a little bit more from a brother or sister in that than you will by being very, very sharp with them in rebuke. I'm going to read a quote here by Tim Keller. He says, A dislocated bone is extremely painful, if you've ever had one, because it is not in its design natural relationship to the other parts of the body. To put a bone back in place will inevitably inflict pain, but it's a healing pain. It means we are to confront, even when that will be painful, but our confronting must be aiming to prompt a change of life and of heart. So even though we need to provide gentle restoration does not mean that that's going to be an easy conversation. It is not easy to confront a brother or sister when they're wandering from the Lord and that they're in the act of constant sinning. That's not an easy thing to do, but it is a loving thing to do. Confrontation, just by the root word, is, means to confront. To confront somebody with what? The truth. What is the truth? That is the truth. This is the truth. So when you confront somebody, you confront somebody with biblical truth that they are not living. If they are Christian, they are called to live what the scriptures say. And if they are not, it's not something that we stand back and watch them just destroy their life. It's not, we're not just in, in the audience watching somebody destroy their life. You have an opportunity to help that person. And so you should just not stand in the stands as a spectator. Christianity is not a spectator sport. It is not. Christianity is a you are in the game. And that means you are playing it yourself to love and serve Christ with all your heart, but you are also there to help brothers and sisters around you. Because you just don't know the circumstances that they're going through. And whatever is causing them to wander from the Father, right? We know. What did God do when one sheep out of the 99 went astray? What did he do? He went for the one. That's how important it is. And we should do the same thing. We should always go to that person. And we should gently restore them. But be cautious. Gently does not mean that you withhold the truth. Okay? You gently bring that to them, but it is important that you do confront them with what they are doing that is wrong and what they need to do to correct that, but then you tell them that you love them and that you will be there for them and that you will help them along the way. You don't just teach and then walk away. All right? Number two, humble burden bearing. Humble burden bearing. I think this is a tough one. This is a really tough one because... I have enough burdens that I need to carry myself. I don't really want to then take your burdens and then place them on me as well. Well, that, my friends, is not biblical to do that. It is not biblical to want to shoulder and take on the burdens of the other people that are sitting here. 
We just read a verse that specifically stated that we should be sharing burdens and taking on burdens for one another. That's how you get them off of you. Do you know that there are people here that they keep their burdens to themselves and they have been burdens that have been on their shoulders for the last 20 years because they haven't gotten them off their shoulders because nobody has said, let me take some of those off of you. Let me take some of that weight off of your shoulders. Let me love you and care for you and shoulder some of what you're going through. There are people that have never gotten those off their shoulders. And to this day, you're still walking with the deep burdens that you have, whatever it was from. We need to bear one, each other, one another, each other's burdens. And it says it right in Galatians, bear one another's burdens and so what? Fulfill the law of Christ. Fulfill the law of Christ by doing this. So can I truly understand deeply the burdens that you're going through if I have a very surface level, hey, good to see you, thanks for coming to church today. It's, it's not necessarily normal for somebody to be like, hey, my name's Billy Cochran, it's nice to meet you. Let me go over this list of burdens that I have in my life right now. That's not usually how human relationship goes. Am I right? So let me go, let me go back real quick to this living room that has furniture that faces each other and people have conversation together. You see, when you do that and you open up your doors, there's this intimacy that comes with that relationship and then people start opening up and people open up to what's on their heart, what's on their burdens, right? What are those burdens? And people start sharing those things. You know what I got? Having a really tough time with this and we all have them. And then that's when you, you are there. That's the relationship. You are shouldering one another's burdens. And so I do have got a little um, daily mission, uh, is what I called it for all of us. Be alert to the burdens of others and be committed to making them lighter. If we all said we're going to commit to making the burdens we are facing right now lighter, what a beautiful, beautiful thing that would be. And I think we can do that. I think that this church can commit to helping make the burdens of each other lighter. To where you come off, not only do you take off that winter jacket because it's snowing in April, but you take off 15 pounds of burdens off your shoulders as well. Think about that. When you walk out of here, you feel 10 pounds lighter than when you walked in. Is that not the goal of church? Is that not the goal that you walk out of here feeling refreshed and then knowing that you're going to meet some of your brothers and sisters throughout the week and that you're not alone and that you'll be able to work through these things, I think it's a lot easier than we think. It's a lot easier. Because I will tell you, when you go up to somebody and you ask them how they're doing and they say, ah, I just got a lot going on. There's a burden in there. When you ask somebody how the week was, eh, it was okay. There's a burden in there. Man, these kids, these kids, there's a burden in there, okay? Yeah, we just got this thing coming up. There's a burden in there. I asked somebody the other day how they were doing, um, and they said something that was like, just got a lot going on right now. There's a burden in there. Also, somebody says, really busy. There's a burden in there, okay? It's a lot easier to pick these up if you're actually paying attention to the conversation that you're having. When you look in somebody's eyes, you can tell if there's a burden in there. It's easier than, than we think. 
But I will tell you this, it's a lot easier also to avoid the burden and do this. Hey, it's good to see you guys today. It's easier. It's easier to avoid that deep conversation. It's easier to avoid, I've got my own burdens, now you want me to take on somebody else's burdens? Yes, I do. Because the Bible tells you to. Jesus Christ says if you take on each other's burdens, you will fulfill my law. The law of Jesus Christ. Because the end is near. So that should motivate you to do that. Okay? Don't just think and just worry about yourselves. Let's worry about each other as well. All right? Let's go to number three. Generous sharing. Generous sharing. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. So this is a shout out for our pastoral staff. I'll read this one again. This is from Galatians 6, verse 6. One who is taught the word, that would be all of you, must share all good things with the one who teaches. This is why we work very, very hard to take care of our pastoral staff and our deacons because they do an incredible job at teaching us. They are faithful. They are loving. They are caring. We just had the opportunity to go to dinner with Pastor Ken and Kim the other day, and they were so tender and so loving. And we've got three kids under eight, and I just thought they were going to tear their house up. And they just were so warm and loving. And that's how our whole pastoral staff and our deacons are. They show such love and tenderness. And they are so prepared with the messages. It has been such an encouragement to me that I will take this very seriously when I have the privilege and opportunity to step up here because they have set that tone that this is God's word, this is serious, and you need to teach the people correctly. And that's what happens in this church. We teach the Bible, we teach it accurately, correctly, and with deep love for the people that are being taught. And so we need to be very generous with how we take care of them, how we love them. If you think pastors don't have burdens, come on now. They are human beings. They are fathers. They're grandfathers. Okay? They are husbands. They also have burdens that they weigh. So love and pray for our pastors. Tim Keller put it this way, we should not be consumers who come to a church to plunder the benefits of it without doing significant giving to that church. We don't just come here and get. We come here and we love and we serve. Next, personal holiness. Number four, personal holiness. Our personal lives directly impact our relational lives. And therefore, one of the most important ways that we contribute to the health of a local church is by practicing spirit-filled godliness. When I seek to put sin to death in my life, it will inevitably bless others. And when I am indulging in sin, it will have a negative impact on others. We never really sin in isolation. A lot of times people think, when I am acting upon sin, I am potentially in my bedroom by myself, or I am doing it alone and I'm not hurting other people, that is a lie. 
when you sin and are constantly indulging in sin, it is polluting your mind, it is polluting your heart, and thus it is polluting your relationships with other people. You have to know that. That when you, you think you're all by yourself, it's just me, I'm just walking by myself, you're not. This is a local body church that is a family that we are connected and we have to love each other and care for each other but when you are constantly indulging in sin that is where your heart is that's where your mind is and it is not on loving another brother or sister do you really think that you can look somebody in the eyes and rebuke them for a sin when you are constantly indulging in it in yourself no you will not feel the strength and power of the Spirit to correct a brother when you are doing the exact same thing that he is doing. You are not sinning in isolation. Your sin affects this community. And so we need to take aims at trying to be our little personal holiness that we are getting rid of those. Our habits are very important. Reading our Bible. You know, we say read the Bible daily. You know why? Because not only will it correct your past, it will help you give wisdom to others as well. It's very important. All right, and number five, practical goodness. I love this one. Hey, just be like a good person. It's a, be a good person to other people. Caring is tiring. It is a privilege and a blessing, but it is not easy. You know how like uh, you go, like you go work out or whatever, you, you, you do something that is physically daunting and you're exhausted after? Have you ever felt the same way after being in a deep conversation with somebody who is truly hurting and you are fully engaged and you are fully bought in and you are trying everything to be there for them and speak with them and talk with them and provide biblical wisdom to them? Have you ever felt that same exhaustion when you do that? It is because it's very tiring to be that caring. It takes energy. It takes attentiveness. It takes you locking eyes, looking at them, hearing what they say, digesting that, asking questions further. It takes, it takes energy to put into a relationship. They are not easy. And so, thus, they are tiring. But it is very worth it. I think in a season right now where we're at, there's a lot of people who are tired there are a lot of people that are lacking energy and it makes it difficult to do things like this. But it's one of those fun like oxymoron things where like it's actually the more you give and the more tiring it is, you will also feel more fulfilled. You will also then begin to get more energy to do these types of things and feel refreshed from it. So let's go over a couple of the action steps that we can take with caring. Number one, do the important work of restoring, bearing burdens, sharing, and doing good. Do this work. Let us, let's do this work together. Let's do this work together. I know it's a, a little small, and we can get these out to you afterwards if you didn't get it, but do the important work of restoring each other's relationships, bearing the burdens of one another, sharing with each other, and doing good. Number two, Recognize that caring for sinners and sufferers is ministry work that all believers should take part in. Caring for sinners and sufferers is not just that of the deacons and the pastors. This is what we do for each other. 
and I'm going to promote a book that I think would be very good for all of us to read, which is this, Read Instruments in the Redeemer's Hand, Redeemer's Hands by Paul Tripp. This is a book that takes aim at saying there are times where you should go to a professional counseling session, but we should all be counseling each other all the time. We are instruments in the Redeemer's hands, and we should always be there counseling each other and helping each other. There are times where you should go see a professional, but there is a lot of times that we are missing on counseling each other on a daily basis. Remember that your personal life will always have an impact on your community, so be serious about sowing to the Spirit. Number five, look for opportunities every week to do good to others, and not just on Sunday. Every week, all day, every day. Look for these opportunities. And number six, as we often end these action steps, pray. Pray for your church family. Highly encourage you guys, if you're not, to join a community group. At the end of community group, we always spend time with a prayer list and praying for our church family. We pray for our missionaries. We pray for those who are expecting a child. We pray for those who are going through health challenges. And then we pray for other things that are going on that aren't even on the prayer list. But we spend that time lifting each other up in prayer, and it is very rewarding and very refreshing. So, okay. Let's turn over then now to the fourth great responsibility. And we're right on time, fam. We're going to move through this one a little bit quicker, but that's not because it's not as important. The fourth great responsibility of being a church member is serving. Serving. Not only are we serving one another, but we are serving our local church. And we have some great role models of people who serve this local church every single day, every single week. And it's such a blessing, man. I love our worship team. They serve us so well. Every single Sunday, we have the opportunity to truly reflect on Jesus, reflect on God, who he is, and sing about it and praise him for that. Uh, And that's just a little bit of, of who serves our church. We have incredible teachers who serve at this church that they teach our kids. I mean, even the youngest ones, I don't care if they can't color, they're coloring pictures about Moses. Amen? I love that, okay? And we are teaching from a very young age. We have very special people in this church that they take time and kindness and patience and they teach our, our, our children that are struggling with autism. It's Autism Awareness Month, if you didn't know that. And they take that kindness and patience and they teach them that. We've got great teachers. And we have people that serve out of such loving hearts. It's overflowing. And I'll tell you this, if you don't think that you're serving isn't actually doing something for other people, you're out of your mind. You don't need to say, look at me, I'm serving over here. When people see that you are consistently serving and loving and giving to the church, that, my friends, is a message in and of itself that is blessing other people. When they see you doing that consistently, this man, she has been serving this church for the last 15 years. She's always catering, taking care, doing these things. It's incredible. And so serving is very important. And the first thing we need to take from that, followers of Jesus Christ are not spectators in the church, but servants in the church. We're not here just to watch and listen, although it is important to be, learned, to be taught the Bible. We are not here just to be spectators. 
We are here to be servants in the church because this is what Jesus taught us to. And when he comes back, he wants to see his people in the local church serving the local church and serving each other. That's what we were called to do, to be servants, not just be there as spectators, to carry on. The church is not the place where you just listen to sermons. It is the place you serve. So when somebody asks you, where do you go to church? It is not just the place you sit and just listen to sermons. You should answer that by saying, well, the place that I serve is Community Bible Church of Trenton, Michigan. Because you are a servant of this church. You serve and you love this church. You know why? Because you love Jesus Christ who died on a cross for you to have the opportunity to do this. And we so often forget that. We're going to remember the risen king in a few weeks for Easter, but he is risen and he always has been risen. He's back, right? And he's risen from the dead and we should be motivated by that to serve his bride, the church. That's what he wants us to be doing right now. And so we should be serving uh, here at the local church. Number C, many Christians know that they should be actively serving in the church, but what's often lacking are deep enough motivations for that kind of committed, long-lasting service. And so there's three motivations I want to share with you guys uh, as we'll, we'll finish up and wrap up and walk out of here. Number one, to the three motivations to fire up our desire to serve. Fire us up. Number one, motivated by the mercy of God. Do not conform, but be transformed. The mercy that God shows us every single day. The mercy that we could be here serving, that we even have the privilege to serve him is a blessing in and of itself every day. And so let's be motivated by this mercy of God. Let's be motivated by the gifts of the Spirit. Sometimes, believe it or not, people will say, well, I don't, I don't know where I should serve. I don't know how to serve. I don't know what my gift is. And so I'll share with you what, as far as the gifts go, you have gifts, um, people have gifts of speaking or serving, and it could be both, right? We need, and we were told, to teach the Bible, to teach Jesus Christ. And so if you have a gift of speaking, we need you to be teaching. And you should be practicing and using that gift. And if you don't, that's okay, because you have a gift of serving. And so we need to find where you are excited and energetic and lo would love to serve. And then we need to get you uh, included in that. And you need to meet with Larry Castle, and he'll tell you exactly where we could use people to serve in this church. Um, and how do we do that? Because again, some people are like, I don't know where I would serve best. How do I get involved? Number one, you need to, you need to give yourself a self-examination. What are you passionate about? What do you love to do? What do you enjoy doing? I guarantee you there's somewhere in the church that you could serve based on things that you love and enjoy. And then secondly, experience. Wherever your experience is in can bring great service to this church. There are people who, in their careers, right, they build things and use their hands. I can think of a gentleman who's very good at that. Pretty sure he built all of this. He serves by doing that, okay? Where has your experience brought you? What do you do as a vocation? 
Because I'm telling you right now, there are, there are tools and characteristics there that can help serve the church with those skills that you have. And thirdly, which I think I hit on this one enough, but can you really ever hit enough on the motivation of Jesus Christ dying on the cross? I don't think so. So, motivated by the return of Christ. By the return of Jesus Christ himself. And when he comes, what should we be doing? We should be bringing him glory and praising his name, hallelujah, every day. And the way that we do that is loving each other, loving one another, and serving his bridegroom, the local church. I think Jesus Christ would love to see us loving each other and loving the local church. So let's do that. All right. Here's your action steps and some takeaways. And then we'll go on prayer. Action steps for responsibility number four, serving. Dwell deeply on gospel truths to give you regular, motiv- regular motivation. Dwell deeply on gospel truths to give you regular motivation. Two, remember that discipleship involves more than just knowing things. It's taking action. Use the preaching of the word and the ordinances of baptism in the Lord's Supper as ways to cultivate a heart for service. Be a servant, not a critic. Stay in touch with the volunteer needs of your church and offer to serve as you can. And lastly, pray that you and your fellow church members will serve the Lord with gladness. I give you a second to, to write these things down. But friends, we've got opportunities coming up right now in the very near future that are going on within this local church that are designed to bring our relationships closer. There are, um, specifically, there are things coming up that are dedicated to the women and the mothers for them to share the burdens that come with that to one another. There are opportunities coming up for the men to eat some breakfast together and share some of the burdens that we have as being a man in this world right now. Okay? We have family camps coming up. We have vacation Bible study that's coming up that our children are going to come to. There are a lot of opportunities. You could never look me straight in the face and say that there's a lack of opportunity to serve the local church. Let that sink in. There is never a lack of opportunity to serve your local church. There's always an opportunity. And not only is there always an opportunity, we need every single one of you. We love you and we need you. And this local church will continue to thrive as it has because of the people who serve this church consistently. So let's love each other and let's, let's love our church and let's serve each other. Let's serve each other and let's serve our church with love and gladness and enjoyment. Y'all with me? All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll get, we'll get out of here. Heavenly Father, thank you for this message today. You are such a loving God. You remind us of the important things. You remind us of your word. Most importantly, Lord, you remind us of your son, the risen King Jesus Christ. And not only that we would just be thankful for that, which we are, but that it, always, it would also drive action in our hearts, that it would drive a desire in our hearts to want to do what Jesus Christ came to die on a cross for, that we would serve the local church that he, just like he wanted us to, just like he taught his apostles and the apostles taught the people. And Father, we, we just pray that you would give us that fervent spirit, that love 
and energy to serve each other. Lord, we, we pray that you would be involved in our relationships, that we would love one another and we wouldn't just stop at a handshake and a hug, that we would truly look at somebody and ask them how they're doing, how their week was, how their month was, how their last two years have been, and that we would shoulder each other's burdens because we love each other, because you first loved us. And we, if we show those relationships, will show and reflect your image, God. And that's what we want to do. Everybody in this church desires and longs to be more like you and to reflect the glory to you, God. And so in order to do that, we need your spirit to give us, grant us energy going into this week. Grant us that love and desire in our hearts. And Lord, we just pray that you will continue to put our relationships of each other in our church on our heart and serve both and most importantly, serve you by doing so every single day that we walk. In your name we pray, amen.